Oh, here we got music on the podcast. Shout Ooh, out Brian Shepard. Out here. Super out here. So <laughs> today we had on somebody that's not in the NBA, not NBA affiliated. We had somebody from the NFL, Samantha Wood from the Philadelphia Eagles. It was one of my favorite conversations to date on social on the sidelines. What do you think of it, Amara? Super Bowl champ. Don't just don't what? do her. Don't Stop. do her like that. Don't do her like what? that. Oh, She's God. got a ring. Um, I'm real tired of you. I'm a Vikings <laughs> fan for everyone that doesn't know. So Amara's out here trying to troll. <laughs> no, yeah, it was um, is super good conversation. You know, she had a really interesting background, and it was really cool to see uh, to hear her story so far. Yeah, because she's been in the game for like eight years, but yeah. in the minor leagues and hockey, and then went to the NHL and went to the NFL. I'm shook. Yeah, she's quite awesome. a journey. So for anybody that wants to learn about one NFL social, two covering one of the biggest sports spectacles in sports, um, and three, how to grind from the bottom to literally get to the top, this is a great story for you. So without further ado, um, we will get into it. Social on the Sidelines, episode four. I'm here with my co-host slash friend, Amara <laughs> Baptist, and also... I'm not going to lie, I usually introduce them as very special guests, but I'm still very salty that her Eagles beat my Vikings. So Super Bowl champion, Eagles social media, Samantha Wood. What's up, Samantha? Hi. I'm sorry you're salty. <laughs> I am not. It was... <laughs> you guys had it coming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was, Why are you it was a good game. my first question. <laughs> well, born and raised sorry. in Philadelphia, that's just sort of in my blood. And, uh, you I'm know, I... I've thrown a beer or two in my day, so sorry, ah, not sorry. Whatever. Millie, I will never forgive you for Millie. Oh, all right. That was bad. Her. Yeah, that she was bad. Hurt. That was bad. But we had Philadelphia <laughs> Phil, which I feel like is a very underrated part of that story. Philadelphia Phil is amazing. I you just like Minnesota Millie. Me too. Millie was so cute. Is is, is she okay? She was cute. I think she's okay. <laughs> After that NFC Championship game, let's hope so. People weren't uh, particularly nice to her, so I hope she's okay. That was not. <laughs> I won't vouch for that. I'll I'll defend a lot, but that I that I can't. I can't. I am so glad Millie did not go to that game. <laughs> that we would have. I think if I remember correctly, we had like a suite ready and everything, so we would have. Uh, we would have shown her the VIP treatment for sure. Kept her safe. Oh but... yes, the organization. Sure, yeah, because we realize, listen, listen, should all cities <laughs> all be right. so lucky to have that passion? You're right. You're right. <laughs> all right. So starting off here, Samantha, just want to talk about, we're switching it up from the NBA to NFL social media today. But of wait, course wait, 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 wait. Am I the first non-NBA guest? You are. You are. You are. Whoa. Thanks, guys. You it's and your bagel special. bites. They're here. Yep. For those that don't know, Samantha is eating <laughs> delivered bagel bites while on our podcast. Listen, millennial problems. I had bagel bites delivered. I will not apologize for it. And if <laughs> GoPuff wants to sponsor me, they can sponsor me or sponsor Social Go on Sidelines. GoPuff. Shout out GoPuff. Go shout, shout out GoPuff. Four <laughs> shout outs. That's worth like $3 million right there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. All right. So. Tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to where you are now, um, where it all started, and how you got into social. 
Oh, boy. Um, well, really, where it all started, I went to Northeastern University in Boston. And, uh, you know, I was a journalism major at the time. And I had a professor that was sort of like, um, you know, ESPN's coming to town. They're doing college game day at Boston College, um, who we hated, but that's neither here nor there. And they needed uh, runners, basically, like cold coffee and wires and shit. Oh, am I allowed to curse on this? I don't know. You're good. We'll keep yeah, going. You we'll keep going. bites are allowed to swear. <laughs> keep, Let's go. Keep moving. Keep moving. So <laughs> I did that. I was like, hell yeah, I want to, um, you know, that seems fun, ESPN, whatever. Uh, and so they used to pay me like 100 bucks a day, and I would skip class and help out on the production side. And then that led to an internship at Nesson, which is uh, for the uninitiated. It's the New England Sports Network. Um, and they broadcast Red Sox and Bruins games. And then that led to an internship at the Bruins. And at that point, I was like, and that year we won the Stanley Cup, which was awesome. And at that point, I was like, okay. You just bring championships I was going to say, you're, you're lucky, Yo, man. if you want to join the Timberwolves social media, <laughs> I'll, you can shadow, you can do it. I'll pay you 100 Nah, I come to you. Memphis, girl. Come to Memphis. <laughs> Listen, I am a mercenary. I can be bought. Um. But yeah, I mean, that was one of those things, right? It was one of those things is like 22. I was like, oh, well, I was 21 when we won. And I was like, that, this is really easy. Like, this is super fun. And of course, in Boston at that time, it was just like every single year we had a parade and, and I'm not a Boston fan. I'm from Philadelphia, but it was so fun. And at that point I was like, okay, people actually make careers out of this. I really like it. Uh, And at that point, social media was not i mean twitter had been invented but we were using it to like communicate with our roommates and stuff like it wasn't like it is today um so i was more on the pr side and the website writing side and then i graduated went to minor league hockey what up ahl um and that's brutal but it was a it was one of those things where the job was like half pr and then half digital because um you know the old internet stuff was getting really big at that point and I really liked it, and it was one of those things, like, PR was great, but, like, digital, I found I really enjoyed the content side of things. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, creating. I taught myself Photoshop and Premiere and all that fun stuff during that job because it's minor league hockey. Like, you have some time to kill um, in the best way possible, and you have to wear a lot of hats. And so I saw the growth factor that digital has, and then a job opened up at the Philadelphia Flyers, and, of course, being from Philadelphia, I was like, I'm all in. I want this. Got that job. And that was 100% digital. So I um, managed their website, social, all that fun stuff for about three years. And then the Eagles called. And as much as I loved, I really, really, really loved working for the Flyers. And I really, really loved hockey. It's like, honestly, 82 games versus 16 games. I can't like, (laughs) and I know you guys like NBA, I mean, NBA and NHL, I don't even know how MLB people do it. You should have somebody yeah, on seriously. MLB after me. I mean, they're like saints. But, yeah, so I was like, you know, NFL is a whole new uh, challenge and some new opportunity. And and to have all the fun of sports without necessarily um, working a zillion games a year uh, did it. And you know what? Turned out to be really, really good timing because <laughs> uh, I've been there. This is, I'm coming up on my third season, so second season in winning the Super Bowl, which I don't honestly like. Are you I don't think anybody expect uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Cancel. Cancel. <laughs> Honestly, I'm about like, to bleep. I'm about to bleep that word out. Every time you say it. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Um, I don't think 
you might, if you ask the players, they may have a different answer, but I don't know that anybody in the front office or the, being an Eagles fan, like, expected that. So by the end of it, we were like, oh, crap, like, this may actually be the year. Um, but we have a little bit of an inferiority complex in Philadelphia, so it was uh, it was a really great experience because it wasn't expected. You know, it's a little bit different than Boston. Shout out to my girl, Cecily, at the Patriots. It's um, – it's a completely different situation. So it was one of those things that it was great timing and, you know, a lot of luck, a lot of hard work, but that's, that left me here at the Eagles. And um, I'm pretty sure I'll be staying here for quite a while. Cause you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a really good stretch. <laughs> it's, it's been a really good stretch, but yeah, that's the uh, slightly long uh, winded version of my life story. That's awesome. Here to hear. What's your title, <laughs> um, by the way? My title, um, it's kind of a weird misnomer. My title is a digital platforms manager. I don't know. Oh. It's yeah, it's one of those things. So I um I have a, like a great squad that um we well, our entire department is Eagles content and creative. And honestly, we're so lucky. And it's not it's not BS at all. Um, the like our ownership group and like executives, they all really really believe in digital. So they've invested quite a bit. So we have probably one of the largest content groups in the NFL in terms of like manpower. So, um, but under me, I have like four people on, well, three people on social, including myself and then a web developer. And so we do the web app social, but it's, I mean, I know what it's like. I used to be like a one man band. So it's one of those things that like, I count my lucky stars every day, but yeah, that's my title. So it's anything that has to do with strategy, internet, queen of the internet sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was, you guys are so good. I mean, I don't follow, admittedly, I don't follow a lot of NFL teams, but you guys are one of them. So congrats, because oh, it's very rare. <laughs> um, so can you just take us through like the day you won the Super Bowl? Kind of like, what did you know that you were going to do anyway? Or And what, like, just take us through it. Yeah, um, that was wild, because it was one of those things that, you know, there are very few people in the entire organization that had made it to the Super Bowl. The last time we went was 2004 against the Patriots as well. It didn't turn out as good. And obviously in 2004, social wasn't a thing. You know, it, teams weren't using, we had a website, but it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today. So we had a really, um, we were sort of flying blind into things quite a bit. So we were there for the whole week. We went out the previous Sunday with the team and then of course it's just like a circus of media and and we're kind of just relying a lot on the NFL to tell us you know where to be and what to cover and you know uh helping us in that way because we were definitely Super Bowl virgins um but in terms of the day of you know I woke up really really early really really nervous like and I am not one I'm not I didn't grow up a huge sports fan, so I really um pride myself on not getting like emotionally invested in the game. You know, I think that helps keep me sane. So I've, you know, worked really hard on being like, ah, win, loss, like just keep doing my job and not get too upset about it. But this one especially it was the first time I've ever felt really, really nervous about it. Um so we were at the stadium. Let me think. The game started at like six-ish so we were at the stadium probably by like 8 a.m that day oh wow um and yeah and it was like getting a lay of the land stadium is beautiful so you did that right minnesota <laughs> um <laughs> it honestly it was really really beautiful and the nfl to their credit they they this is 
you know, they're, I mean, they do a ton of events a year, but they run the Super Bowl really, really well when it comes to keeping everything together. So we went in early with our equipment guys, you know, shot the whole locker room, which was funny. Even though we were the away team, we got the home locker room. So we were in the Vikings locker room. Um, it was funny because I was on game day generally. So I handle all the content, but on game day, I really just focus on the Instagram story and the Snapchat, um, mm-hmm. just sort of how the cards played out. And I really enjoy doing it. So um, we got a little bit of uh, attention because I took a picture of the of our Super Bowl locker room, which was the Vikings locker room, and I tagged it as the Vikings locker room on Instagram. <laughs> and no offense, but it was like a, kind of like a light trolling. Um <laughs> Because... I appreciate the trolling. I can always appreciate trolling. So and it was one good. of those things that, like, I give – I just did it. I honestly – I just do stuff to entertain myself and make myself laugh. And <laughs> our fans are so, like – and it was, like, a really tiny tag, so, like, you could barely see it. Our fans pick up on absolutely everything. So I appreciated that that, um, you know, people got got the joke a little bit. But anyway, so, yeah, I just sort of covered it, remained calm, and then – did the game just like any other game. And honestly, the game itself, like while I was terrified and it was scary, it was one of the easier games to cover because the NFL does a really good job of like the sidelines get really crowded on regular games. And so because the Super Bowl security is so tight and especially even tighter this year, it was like relatively easy because we had like set spots on the sideline to be able to like we literally taped off spots. So um, there was no, like, generally speaking, the NFL, we end up with, like, a lot of, like, elbowing and, like, trying to get good spots. And with social, like, we're second fiddle to photographers, to, you know, guys with, like, you know, bigger video cameras. And people tend to crack jokes that I'm standing there on the sideline with cell phone, you know. But it it ended <laughs> up working out great. I mean, honestly, they're like, get out of the way. And I'm like, no. I'm shooting too and they're like no you're not I'm like yes I am I, I promise like, I get in this argument all the time but it ended up being great because it was very like everybody who was on the field needed to be there and there was no like extra bodies around uh, I met Carl Anthony Towns on the sideline weirdly he was like he's an Eagles fan yeah it was bizarre and I to be honest didn't know who he was but my um I didn't recognize him, but my video guys were like, were you just chatting up Carl Anthony Towns? I was like, yeah, he's a great dude. We were, he was talking about our run game and how we need to improve it. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, so covered the game as I did. I tried to remind myself, just a normal game, just a normal game. Um, and then, and then when we got down to the end of it, I was standing like basically on the bench waiting to go on, you know, as the clock wound down and you had Tom Brady with that Hail Mary pass and, I honestly couldn't even see because I was behind. I was right behind Zach Ertz, weirdly. Um, and he's, you know, as all football players are, a really big dude. So I couldn't see the play itself, but I was watching it up on the screen. And my, you know, my heart was in my throat. And when it, like, actually dropped, everybody runs onto the field. And I I honestly didn't believe that it was, like, over, over. Like, I thought they were going to, like, call everybody back and, like, review or, I mean, whatever. Like, it's just a Philly thing to say that, like, we truly – as bad of a reputation that we have, like, we truly don't believe that, like, it's possible that Philly can win and, like, win the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it was, like, a weird, like, and so the last, I posted it on my Twitter account, the last thing I shot, it was just, like, random, like, shaky video of people running. It's the worst video I ever took, but it was one of those things that it was just, like, 
I'm so happy I have that because it was sort of just chaos. Um, and then finally, and so we sort of, we didn't, we knew exactly what we wanted to do in terms of like, in terms of like general content, but there's really no way to know as the game goes on. So it's hard to plan. Right. But the one thing that we did plan um, and that got a little bit, a little bit of attention was after the game, we put up like a close sign basically. And we said that the social media team was just signing off for the night. Um, I was literally just, that was my follow-up question. I was just about to bring yeah. that up because I loved that. It's funny because that one got mixed reviews. It The story behind that is Subaru did that, weirdly. Um, for the holidays, I saw that they tweeted, hey, the Subaru social team is, you know, celebrating the holidays, see you next week or something. And I was like, you know what? That is, I just, it stuck with me because I was like, that is so cool because, you know, you sort of realize that there's people behind every account and it was just sort of like, see you later. And so I had talked about it the week of the Super Bowl and I, and I sort of ran it up the flagpole cause I wanted to make sure it would be okay with everybody. And everybody was like, yeah, like, you know, it sounds good to us. So we made that graphic, we had it ready and we, we were, um, you know, it was on two levels. One, making sure the team, my team had time to actually celebrate winning the, you know, Super Bowl. Um, but then the other level too that people don't really consider is that Phil, we knew Philadelphia would blow up, right? Like we knew that people would be running outside their their apartments as they did, running down the street, climbing grease light poles. So like, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Post the best content and then have no one see it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that for sure. The Super Bowl, that right? That engagement just goes for months and months and months and months. So why? you know, fire every bullet in your gun. So, and, and like I said, but the number one reason was that we wanted to celebrate just like, you know, everybody. I didn't want to have my team sitting in the stadium for four hours while everybody else celebrated. So, you know, it was a conscious decision. I think some people didn't like it overall. I think it was a positive, but honestly, it wasn't about them. It was about, um, you know, getting everybody to the after party and being able to truly unplug and enjoy that moment because, who knows when it's going to come again. And frankly, no regrets because Cardi B played the after party and it was. Yes. <laughs> it was the best. And the best part is my parents were there and they had no idea who she was. And <laughs> it was amazing. But so that was planned. But honestly, most of it was just sort of like, if this happens, then we'll do this. If this happens, then we'll do that. Like, just like you guys know, there's a lot of ifs, you know, stacked on top of each other. So. There's a lot of content that never made it out, but we're lucky that, uh, you know, it all turned out in our favor. So we were able to use a lot of it. For sure. I, I think it's a really, it speaks to the amount of planning that you probably had in place beforehand with all the content that you have. Because I see even to till this day, like you guys still have stuff from that account. And much like Amara, I'm not following too many teams, um, just the Vikings and the Eagles. But I think you guys do a great job at, um, just like you said, spreading it out, you know, it's not all about that one night and making it a longer tail. But that being said, I think something that's really unique, um, obviously we had seen last year, there was some rules that came out in mm. regards to highlights huh. on the, on the NFL front. And I think despite that, that was one of the main reasons that, you know, me, myself as a consumer, I wasn't necessarily following a bunch of teams because I thought that kind of strangle the creative leeway where i i think you guys have taken a unique tone of voice um and you're able to kind of 
build off the banter, uh, you know, capitalize off trending topics. I know you, the other day when Meek Mill got released, you guys put out that video. So mm -hmm. that seems like something that you guys have a strategy around trying to build off those moments. That's a lot different than other N NFL teams and kind of similar to what I think a lot of teams try to do in the NBA. Talk a little bit about the strategy that you have in place on the Eagles uh, side in terms of the, the vision and voice that you have for the account. Yeah. I mean, listen, we definitely amongst, amongst, you know, the crew that I'm friends with in the NFL and just even amongst our little group and the Eagles, we envy the NBA in a lot of ways. Like you guys have, so much more leeway um and you know your your league approaches things in different ways so we're you know we look at that and we're like oh man but that being said you're right we sort of have to take a different approach and in some ways like when that first came out we did a whole like electric football thing which was like tongue-in-cheek sort of making fun of the fact that we couldn't use highlights and we like i act, do remember that that yep. was like and it was one of those things that like it was it was meant to be a little bit of a like a little bit ironic well it was a lot of bit ironic um but right. that moment it wasn't even about what we put out it was about being able to as a group like be creative like okay we know that highlights do well right that's the easy stuff let's go one step farther and actually like flex our creative muscles and try to come up with something that doesn't use that like allowing it to be a challenge rather than just an obstacle I think is um, probably our greatest strength as a group and like I'm so lucky I mean it's not me it's my whole this whole crew that I work with they are um, extremely creative when it comes to that and and then of course like I said and not to be like you know pokey about it but it's so true I've worked with different places in different places where this isn't the case but the fact that our executive team gets it you know, that is just mm -hmm. priceless. Like they, for sure. they, there's a lot of trust that comes with that. And so, you know, with the Meek Mill thing, that was something, you know, obviously huge story in Philadelphia. Dreams and Nightmares was our anthem for the entire playoffs. Yep. And we're all Meek Mill fans. And so it was one of those things we had been sitting on that tweet <laughs> for <laughs> so long. And I literally was coming back from a meeting and we have this like creative, like with this area with all of our um, producers and editors and something. And I came back from the meeting and they're like, Meek's getting out. And I'm like, hit it, the tweet. And that was something that we had ready. <laughs> like there was no, there was absolutely no discussion about like, is it okay? Is it not okay? Because it was something that had already happened. So we had, you know, not every opportunity will look like that, but it's a, <clears throat> it's a process about being flexible and then also having different fans represented. So like I'm a casual sports fan. I said it before, I'm not a huge sports fan. So like I represent the casual part of it. Like we have people in the building that are super heavy football fans. We have people in the building, you know, like from all different backgrounds. And, and so we sort of make stuff. I literally have a thing in my office, if it's okay to curse, I have a thing in my office that's cross-stitch that I made that says make cool shit. Like that's literally all we try to do is just make cool shit. and because we're fans of the Eagles and we're fans of other teams as well. And if we're making stuff for ourselves, then we're making stuff for fans. So that's really sort of what drives everything. If somebody comes up with a cool idea and we're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Do it. Like, what do you need to get it done? Do it. That's, it ends up being one of the best things um, because we're just sort of trying to outdo ourselves. And we're not, I look at other teams and I follow a ton of other teams and I have so much respect 
for other teams, especially NBA teams. But it's really not about outdoing each other or one-upping. It's more about, like, making cool shit for ourselves, for Eagles fans and for people that follow us. And sometimes it's having something in the can ready, and sometimes it's being flexible enough to say, like, this is a really cool opportunity. Let's do it. And we're so lucky that, you know, we deal with some policy stuff on the NFL side. But it, I think it's made us better, to be honest. It's made us um, stretch ourselves creatively in a way that we wouldn't have to do before. We could just throw out a highlight. Um, so right. that's, sure. that's the silver lining there, definitely. So I saw this uh, really cool tweet that I don't remember who posted it, but it was like all of the social media managers in the NFL, yes. and a lot of them were women. And I thought that was so cool. And the caption was like, <coughs> A woman is probably running your favorite NFL's social account. And I was like, woo, go girl squad. So I know. Just <laughs> just talk a little bit about like how important <laughs> it is to have that support and um yeah, having a girl game yeah. behind you. This was honestly, it was one of those things that we didn't realize. Um it was last year. So the NFL does we're doing it again in June, but every year they try to do sort of a social summit for everybody that runs social on the team side. And so the first year was last year. We met up at the NFL digital offices in L.A. And running the summit were um, two women on the NFL side, um, uh, Alyssa Lippman and Sana Merchant, who are fantastic. They work for the league. And we sort of it was just it was more about the business, best practices, that sort of thing. And one day they were like, oh, um, by the way, we counted the attendance and literally exactly half of the people represented, so half the people that run NFL team accounts are women. And we all sort of like looked around at each other and we're like, God damn, you're right. Like, it's literally, <laughs> it's exactly half. It was so weird. I don't know if it's still exactly half, but either way, there's- That's awesome. It was one of those things where we were sort of like this, not like- yay, we solved sexism, but just sort of like, <laughs> what a nice milestone. And so we took that picture outside, um, outside the NFL offices with all the females. And it was, it was really one of those like aha moments. Cause you know, I've been doing this I'm 29. I've been doing this for eight years now and I'm, I got used to, and I'm sure Amari, you could probably speak to the same thing, but I got used to being the only girl in the room mm -hmm. and slowly, but surely you start to realize that women are really representing, especially when it comes to the creative aspects of running a team account. And we sort of laugh amongst ourselves because so often we'll get the, the guy behind the team account or the oh, yeah. hey man <laughs> or the what up bro, like that sort of thing. And that's honestly, I kind of welcome that. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I kind of welcome that because it, then it tells me that I'm speaking in a way that's representing the entire organization rather than sure. just, Right. Rather than just like so obviously female, like it's just I'm representing fans in general. And and I think it's awesome. And I think it's, um, you know, the creative sort of side of things is a great place, especially for females to excel because we think about things in a slightly different way. Um, and we're representing a side of the fan base that I think previously didn't have that type of representation. So no longer do we have to have meetings about like, how do we reach women? Like, do we make right do we, you know, do ba basketball 101 or whatever, like all that nonsense, I think, has sort of fallen away a little bit because we're, you know, me, you and women like us are proving that, you know, you could just be a fan rather than being a asterisk 
female sports fan. Um, but yeah, it totally. was something. And for the NFL, you know, the NFL has a lot of other problems when it comes to diversity, when it comes to, you know, representation. So by no means is that solved. But I think that's a really, really big step in the right direction. And one, honestly, that we didn't even know had happened until they pointed it out. That's awesome. Well, you just added another one uh, to the NFL. Shout out to uh, our friend Megan Julian. With yes, the yes. I'm so happy Shout for her. Shout out Megan. I follow her on Twitter. I've never met her, but I'm looking forward to seeing her in June when we meet for the um, social, the same She's social summit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so, rewinding back a little bit, uh, I know you mentioned it a couple times. I mean, you're talking about your AHL experience, some of the minor leagues. Talk a little bit about the differences, like the grind of yeah. minor leagues compared to the yeah. major leagues and everything that you've been through with all these different experiences. I think a lot of the listeners here are either trying to get into or trying to understand other social managers and, and how they've gotten to this point. So everyone has a unique story, of course, and you especially being in this for as long as you have. Uh, talk a little bit to the experiences that were kind of towards those startup, uh, you know, when social departments were just starting or just on the minor league side. Talk about those. Yeah, so that was, it's one of those things. I'm like a minor league evangelist because I think, you know, a lot of people that are looking to get everybody, let's be honest, everybody that's looking to get into professional sports imagines themselves in the NBA, in the NFL, in the MLB, whatever, in these really big top echelon leagues. And, you know, there are some people, some people that I work with today, very lucky, very talented people that went right out of college, right into the top level. That's not always the case. And so I'm always telling people that, you know, minor leagues are such a great opportunity to hone those skills, to really learn about the business and to learn what what you're good at, what you want to do. Because, you know, in my example, I thought I was going to be a PR person um, <clears throat> until I had that minor league experience where I was thrown into the digital side, like not having any background in that. And and I realized that I had a, you know, an interest in it and a talent for it. And I found that like niche. So for me, the main thing with the minor leagues, and it's true for every sport, but it, but especially minor leagues, is just wearing a lot of hats. And so whether you're doing a little bit of corporate sales, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of ticket sales, like there's opportunities that to cross over. You're not as siloed. Like, for example, the American Hockey League offices, when I was there, they have 30 teams that are each associated with an NHL team. And we literally had 14 people in the office running the entire league. Point of comparison, the National Hockey League has 400 people in their office. So it was one of those things where you sort of had to just jump in um, and learn and take any opportunity there was. And frankly, I mean, I was so grateful for it because I had spent, even with ESPN, Boston Bruins, Nesson, all those things under my belt when I graduated college, it's still, I was still unemployed for like three months looking for a job because as you guys know in sports, like it's all timing really and who you yep. know and, and it just, and I graduated in 2011. So like that wasn't like a great time for the economy. So it was, um, it was really tough and I started to have to like come to terms with the fact that I might have to get out of sports. So having the minor leagues as an option and the fact that they would hire me was just like an amazing thing for me. And um, like I said, being able to learn all facets 
of the business was huge. I think the bottom line though is one, not being above anything, you know, it may not be exactly where you want to end up, but it's a step in the right direction. And two, having an out with the minor leagues, as much as I love the minor leagues, I still know people there that will probably be there forever. Um, because you start to, it sounds bad, but it's the truth. You start to age out a little bit. So if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, 30 years old, not so much age, but experience, if you've been working in the minor leagues for a long time, it's very hard to get hired by a, by a higher level team at the, at the salary and at the title that you want. Like say you're a manager, it's going to be hard to keep, to get hired as a manager. So I had to take a step back to get that flyers job. I took a hit on the salary. I took a hit on the title. Um, and that was all very strategic because I knew it would be worthwhile in the end. So I think having that sort of expiration date and having um, a drive to continue and use it as a stepping stone is really important so that you don't get sort of pigeonholed. And for some people, they love the minor leagues. They'll stay there forever. And that's totally fine for me. I always wanted to go. I always wanted to come back to Philly. I always wanted to, um, you know, make it as, as high as I could. So having that out is really, really important. That's awesome. Um, so as far as like, I mean, obviously the, like Shabazz said, the people that are listening to this podcast, you know, really want to get into sports. What other advice outside of like being open to maybe a job that you wouldn't necessarily see as your end goal? What other advice do you have for people? Oh, um, well, yeah, like I said, I was unemployed for a long time. Well, not, well, depends on your definition of long, but three months felt very long to me. Um, and one thing that I wish somebody had told me was that teamwork online, it's a great resource, but I will say that they, um, like for employers, they see your application history on teamwork online. So I actually, for that first, oh, it's very true. And it's kind of messed up. This is a fun, I tell people this. It's, um, go for it. Yeah. So listen, you may have a different opinion on it, but they, um, so basically for this first AHL job I got, they had counted me out because I had applied for like a butt ton of jobs. Cause you, like I said, I was desperate. I mean, there were always like jobs that I felt like I was relatively qualified for, but like it was all over the board, all over the country. Like I would, I was ready to go anywhere. And so probably not rightfully, but this was just their strategy. They felt like, okay, well she applied for a lot of jobs. So she probably doesn't want this one. So they counted me out because they saw my employment history or my application history. And so I had known, um, which is my second bit of advice, of course, using your resources. I had known a little bit, this guy that used to have that job. And so he made a call for me like, Hey, take a look at this girl. Um, as usually is the story. Um, and so they pulled me out of the pile and I ultimately got hired. And I'm sure that my boss would say that I did a good job there. Um, but it was crazy. So then when I I applied for future positions after the AHL, I literally called up Teamwork Online's offices <laughs> and I asked them to <laughs> remove my application history from my account. And they did it. And you know, I'm happy that they had told me ultimately. And I thought, frankly, that it was a little unfair that I was being judged on um, what other jobs I had applied for, because in a normal industry, you would not see that. Right. Yeah. So why? That's just because crazy. I want a job. Right. Just because I want a job shouldn't mean 
that I'm less qualified. You know what I mean? So, I mean, ten, right. almost 10 years later, I'm still like salty about it, but, um, but yeah, so consider that it's not to say not to apply, but be careful about the types of jobs you're applying for. And if, if all else fails, call them up and ask them to clear your account um, of the history because it's it's one of those things that you may not realize you're being judged on. Um, and then, like I said, the using of the resources. This was a guy that I had met like one time when I was an intern and I introduced myself. I was an intern at the Bruins. I introduced myself because he's from Philly. I'm from Philly. And ultimately, he ended up helping me get that AHL job. He ended up helping me get the Flyers job. Like it was a weird sort of, connection that I made that had I known when I was making I would not have guessed that that would have led me to not one but two jobs and it's so cliche but it's so true you don't necessarily have to network it's not about like collecting business cards it's just like make some friends with people and you know and and don't burn the bridges it doesn't have to be so complicated and I think the whole reaching out to LinkedIn is fine, but like if you're just like, "Hi, I want to network," it comes off of very, like very um, yeah, like I literally have those messages. It's it's so like um obvious, kind of weird. No. It's weird, yeah. Right. That's right. exactly that's exactly how I picture the tone of those books. Yeah. Like, Hi, I want to network. Yeah, like my professor told me that networking is important. Look at me networking. I'm like, well, there's no benefit to me. Like you're just using me now. But, like, if it's just, like, hey, we have something in common, you're in town, I'm in town, let's be friends. Like, some of my best friends I met on Twitter. Like, yep. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. Like, networking is just making friends. Like, that's the best networking. So I would say for, for young people that are looking to get in, like, don't feel like it has to be about, like, who you know and everything. It's just, like, who you're friends with, honestly. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, those are the two. For sure. Me. But, yeah, that teamwork online is sneaky as hell. I, so I seriously didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know either. So when I was hiring my social media coordinator, um, I saw that, you know, all the application, as you were alluding, all the applications that people have applied to within Teamwork and other teams were showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought about it a lot differently, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, it it's either way, it's not a normal practice. Um, for me, though, it's like most people that want to work in sports, like they build it's a matter of of course you're going to apply to a bunch of teams so you get your foot in the door right right sports are a very selective but awesome yeah uh opportunity to have building off that though i i think and i think you'd agree with this like the third part of what you were saying that amara i had talked about it i think you were hinting at it but like i think a big thing that a lot of people uh especially applying into sports forget especially when you're going into social is like building your own platform right like if i'm applying for a social media manager position and i am not active on twitter facebook Mm. or instagram like that is not a great practice and Mm -hmm. like you were saying like some a lot of the jobs that i've got actually every single job that i've gotten one way or another has come down to who i've connected with on my personal platforms um and that has led to one thing Mm -hmm. you know led one thing to another so I think that's a large part of it. For sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So last thing. Uh-huh. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. I will also say just briefly, if we're preaching to the choir here, the um, <laughs> I think you're totally right that like having a strong brand online obviously is going to be huge, especially with those connections. I will say that, and maybe it's bitchy of me, but I will literally like when I interview people, 
I will do like Twitter advanced search and look for all their mentions of the Eagles or the Flyers. You have to. Whatever. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that's like caveat upon caveat because I think people don't realize that like like you and us between all, all three of us, we know, but like people don't realize that if you're criticizing a team and you're saying this is a bad tweet or this is even if you're critic like I can forgive criticizing what happens on the football field. Like that's whatever, you know, like teams are bad, teams are good, like it happens. But when you're like this is crappy content or whatever or like whatever like being overly critical that's one of those things i won't like completely count people out but like really consider what what like Mm -hmm. i still to this day i will not openly criticize another team's social or another team's creative um within reason because i feel like you never know who your boss is going to be one day you never know it's just such a small world and like it's not worth it like your little opinion about whatever on on your own Twitter account, like no matter how many retweets it gets, it's so not worth popping up five years later. And it's the same it's the same speech that I give to the players every year. Like it's written in ink. Like it's just not worth it. So, but yes, I think you're totally right. Having that conversation, having a network um, amongst your social, like it's just too easy not to. Like just you know, it doesn't require that much work. <laughs> Make an effort. Absolutely. Right. And it's yeah. a, such a red flag when I hire somebody and they're like, oh, I don't like, um, I don't use Instagram ever. And use I'm like, this platform. Right. Well, then why do you want to work in it? Like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> we all have our favorites, but like Twitter's not my favorite platform. It's, but like I'm on it and I think it's it's been so useful that I can't imagine not having it. So, but yes, we're we're all in agreement for sure. <laughs> if it was not for Twitter, we would not be having this no, podcast. That's right. true, guys. Samantha. Friendship. If it was not for tw- <laughs> if it was not for Twitter, I would not be getting married in July. Oh, either. really? That's so. true. Oh, that's legit. That's love. Like, he slid yeah. in those DMs. Atta boy. From the team account, actually. No way. Yeah, a- From the team account. I gotta send you the story. He's a legend. Yeah, I want to see this. I should start doing it's, it that more a lot often. Worse than it is. Yeah, I should. I know, Don't do right? this. That's not what I, I am. I am. I am completely joking. I talked to her first on the team account, but it wasn't like I was like, "Hey, hey, babe, I'm the guy who runs this." Account. Hey, let's network. Still, still, I feel like I'm not. Hey. I'm not properly taking advantage of the uh, Eagles account. Then I never thought to do that. God. <laughs> hey at eagle hey at eagles fan if you guys want to uh yo slide into the eagles yeah, samantha is watching yeah they're closed as hell because of this exact reason <laughs> but i should start reaching out to people i mean maybe that's why i'm still single that's um i'm just missing Girl, this whole this whole preach. opportunity here come on <laughs> anyway that's amazing and okay. i want to hear that aside from the podcast i want to hear that story later yeah it's incredible. I got you. I got you. That's amazing. Um, so, so one last thing. I was going to let you go, but then you made a point, and now I want to follow up. Listen, so I got fault. all night. Um, so the last thing I want to ask you, you said you were um, informing the players of certain things to tweet and not tweet. Talk a little bit about yeah. that, because uh, I think that's definitely an interesting thing folks would want to hear. Yeah, that's something, you know, um, I've been doing that. I started that at the flyers. Not, I didn't even ask. It was one of those things that, you know, social media has become like so much more important um, over the tenure that I've been doing it. Not because of me, because of just the time. 
Um, so it was one of those things that they, um, our hockey operations department had asked me to take to the group and then sort of transfer that over to the football operations department. And it's one of those things that um, I, you know, the guys that we have on the team, they're so young that they're dealing with the same things that normal people are dealing with except times 10. So I just try to reiterate to them and it's sort of, <clears throat> I don't want to say it falls on deaf ears because um, I think hopefully it definitely is sinking in, but it's hard to, it's hard to remember on a regular basis is that it's written in ink. So if you delete a tweet, like as we've known from every draft, like it just pops up over and over again. Um, and we see these stories yep. constantly and, and it's better, it's better to just not have tweeted at all basically. And so I sort of tell them like, imagine you reading this tweet aloud to your boss. Imagine you reading it aloud to your grandmother. Imagine it being on the cover of the New York Times. Like all that stuff, if you can't stand behind what you're saying, then don't do it because no amount of engagement, no amount of like jokes, whatever is worth it coming back to bite you. And and it's sort of a little bit of a scare tactic, but it's so true because there's a lot to lose even for non-athletes. And um, I sort of joke that my social media has become, while I'm active on it, it has become really boring <laughs> um, because I want to protect my future job prospects and my reputation, and it's just not worth it. So my social media has become slightly sanitized in that way. And there's plenty. I always joke that I should, I need like an alias account to just like, you know, say all the things I want to say. I don't have one for the record, but it's, um, I do. You do yeah, see, but it's like I... impossible. Like you want to just like say all your opinions. I probably should. Cause see, I, I still don't do that. I still don't do. I have, I have had this private Twitter account. Oh man. That is just for like my high school friends, but I actually don't really, I actually use my public account more than I do my private, which I never thought would be the case. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, cool. you're good. I mean, it's just one of those things that, like, I'll just end up, like, texting a group. Like, I have little group. I'm sure you guys do, too. Like, little group chats with other teams, friends from other teams and stuff. So I'll end up, like, just channeling all my energy um, and texting that, that way. But, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, it can because it's so easy to just put anything out there, it is so easy to mess up and it's just so not worth it so generally speaking yeah i do that speech every year and i'll go through like specific examples and even examples of like my one of my favorite ones and it's because of my hockey background is um there's a deadspin story about i think it was patrick kane when he got yep. hammered uh in chicago mm -hmm. and it was a good example because he did not tweet the entire time but he got drunk and he didn't realize that people were taking photos of him and following his progress from bar to bar to bar and just being like a general, you know, kid. But like when you're an athlete, you have like people yeah. have phones, people have you're under a microphone. Exactly. So not right. allowing pictures to be taken of you in compromising situations, realizing that screenshots are a thing. Uh, Snapchat is not private as we know. Uh, even locked Twitter accounts aren't private. Private DMs aren't private. Right. So um, that's sort of like the 2.0 version. The first speech used to just be like, don't be an idiot. Now it's sort of like your privacy is a fallacy. Um, and, right. you know, and we've been lucky. I mean, honestly, I haven't had too many situations in which any guys on my teams have made huge mistakes. Um, so we're trying to avoid that as best as possible because 
not only am I here to protect the team, we're here to protect the players too, by extension. So Absolutely. yeah. So if I can do that by explaining to them how how things work and how privacy functions, security, and all that sort of stuff, I'm happy to do it. Um, but yeah, it applies to everybody, whether you're an athlete or not. 